0: Hi, I'm Zach, and welcome to the IB Voices Podcast. When normal, physical routines are disrupted through unexpected events, students often find it hard to stay motivated and develop new routines. Of course, some of us are more conscious of this now due to the global COVID-19 pandemic. To speak to this, I met with Dr. Adam Carey, a doctor, nutritionist, and leading commentator on all areas of sports nutrition and human performance. In our conversation, Dr. Carey shares the importance of physical activity on our well-being and motivation, how to find motivation to get active, and what types of physical activity is beneficial and feasible while stuck at home. So before we begin, I wonder if you'd be willing to sort of do a little intro to yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Adam Carey. Hi. I'm a classically trained medic, I went up to consultant level within the um, NHS. My training was originally in obstetrics and gynaecology, with subspecialists training and interest in reproductive endocrinology, which is your hormones, um, and nutrition, so food. Doing that, I then came out of the NHS about 20 years ago, uh, really because most of my patients were there because of the way they ran their lives as opposed to having medical problems. and so. I stepped out to work out how to run what we now call coach behavioral change wellness and performance programs so nutritional lifestyle strategies to, to improve human performance and reduce the risk of disease for the population so we're interested in making happier healthier individuals
0: amazing and before today have you heard of the international baccalaureate y-
1: yes uh, certainly um so i work a little bit with a school in france called apex 2100 are an international ski academy where i've been giving them a little bit of advice and support and they have just obtained their ib status as an ib school so obviously i've heard of the international baccalaureate i would heard of it before that just as i have children who've gone through the educational process and now more recently because they're supporting apex a little bit
0: amazing so speaking of students Obviously, some schools are still in session, others are finishing up their year, but either they're still going on or probably when school starts up again in the fall, they might still be impacted by the pandemic and maybe still doing learning from home. Do you have any tips on how students might motivate themselves when all they really want to do is sort of escape this situation, escape their new reality?
1: Sure. I think motivation is a really interesting question. People often say to me, how do you get people to sort of look after themselves more and behave better, which is the same thing. How do you get students to to want to study and to want to um, to want to settle down to do something which, you know, in this new reality might seem rather difficult? And I think you have to take a step back from the, the cold face And what we always encourage people to think about is what's really important to them. So if it's really important to me, I'll do something. If it's not so important to me, Maybe I'll put it off to tomorrow or the next day. And so if you want to think about what's really important to you, it's really useful to start to think about where do you want to be at some point in the future. For students who are maybe in the in the age of 11 to 18 or so, where do you want to be in a decade's time, you know? When you're approaching 30, what do you want your life to look like at that stage? And what relationships do you want to have? And what do you want to be doing with those relationships? And the reason why we call it vision, the reason why thinking of, of some point in the future like that, a way away from today is important, is that most of us can sort of predict a little bit what we're going to be doing in three months' time, and maybe even in a year's time. You know, if you're a student and you, you know, maybe you've got three more years at school, you can predict what you're going to be doing for the next three years. But if you look a decade ahead, if you look 10 years ahead, and when we get to older people, I get them to look 20 years ahead, against that backdrop, it's very difficult to predict what you're going to be doing. Most of us won't be doing the same jobs and, and so forth. So then, if you want to think about what you want life to look like, you have to think about things that are really close to you. So we get people to think about their relationships, what do they want to be doing with those relationships, and what capacities What things do you need to have to be able to do the things you want to do? So when we think about relationships, you know, if it were me, I'd be thinking about my relationship with my partner, my wife, Beverly, um, with my children, um, with my own health and well-being, with my extended family and friends, with my other hobbies or interests, with my career, maybe with my finances. These are things I have relationships with. And the two questions I get people to answer for that is, what do you want that to look like? What do you want to be doing with those relationships so with my wife beverly what are we going to be doing in a decade's time where are we going to be doing it what would it look and feel like what would be really fun to be doing what do i see that's going to be great in my life and the second bit you ask and then what capacities do i need to deliver into that situation into that relationship to make sure that i can do that and so when you start to think about that through each of those relationships so with my wife with my kids with my own health with my career you can start to say okay this is where i'd like to be in 10 years time what do i need to achieve that and that allows you to start to think about one way you want to be and that's really going to be important to me and two what might be the steps that might move you there and if you're a student say in 10 years time i'd like to be living in my own house in in this place doing this sort of work then, so that's great, you're starting to get a picture of what life might look like. And then from that picture, what things do you know you need, going to, need to get there? And you, you're going to see that you're going to need you know, something to do with your own health and your own well-being, but you're also going to need something to do with maybe some qualifications or some skills that you want to acquire. From that vision, you can start to break that down into goals. And these are the steps that are going to take you one step at a time towards the vision. Rome wasn't built in a day. And so we need to recognize that, you know, you might have a vision that's really, really big and, you know, it's really hairy. I, I work with lots of athletes who want to go to the Olympics and win Olympic gold. No one does that from just saying, OK, well, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to do some exercise this afternoon and then tomorrow I'm going to go to the Olympics. That takes 10 years or 15 years of thought and work and training and successes and failures to get there. And this is the same sort of process. But the reason why those athletes were able to do that is because they some people talk about it as a dream. But it, it's more than a dream. It's, it's a vision. It's something they've really thought about, they've really wanted. And then they thought, OK, what's going to stop me? How can I, what, what can I do today to move myself in that direction? I know I can't get them all the way, but I can move myself. That's all about setting up internal motivation. And I see internal motivation very much as a subconscious puzzle. We don't know all the answers. All we know is that's where we want to go, and now we need to get our brain, our subconscious brain, which is working all the time in the background, to think about, well, what sort of things could I be doing? And then when you start to think about that, actually, you'll find that your brain just comes up with a whole bunch of ideas of, oh, well, I could be doing this, or if I did a little bit more of that, that would really help. This is all internal motivation. So you think about, where do I want to be in the future? Vision. And then what are some smart goals? What are some really sensible little things I could be doing to take a step in that direction? And that's all about activating your internal motivation. If you don't do that, most people are not very motivated by that. They, they need to have a reason for doing it because you're going to have to go through some discomfort. You're going to have to sit at your desk. You're going to have to focus. You're going to have to go through stuff. So the first thing is decide, have some thoughts about where you want to be going. That really then starts to your core value structure, the reasons why we get up in the morning, and we do stuff, and then you know eventually people find their purpose in life. You know what what are we here for? What am I what am I doing stuff for? So internal motivation comes from a bit of personal work, and that's about thinking, you know, what is really important to me.
0: You mentioned the relationship with your personal health and well-being. Is physical movement or physicality something that can also improve your mood or your internal motivation?
1: Absolutely. The best treatment for people who've got anxiety and depression is actually physical exercise. The issue is it is very difficult to get people who are depressed to start to exercise. So what that says is that physical activity is really good at affecting your mood, affecting how you feel, and actually it is the complete antidote to stress. So when you think about what stress response is about, it really was all about fight or flight. You know, if you look at animals in the wilderness, so, you know, wildebeest, for example, eating on the plane, you know, they'll be eating away on the plane in a big herd, and they'll find that the ones on the edge will be looking around to see if there's a predator, like a lion or something of this nature. If they see a predator, and it's a way away, then they just keep an eye on it and so forth. But if this predator's coming close, then they get a stress response. There's a lion in the room, and they know that this lion's coming hunting, and so what they're going to do is the bodies are going to prepare them either to run away or to engage into battle. So then their bodies are increasing their heart rate, they're sending blood to their muscles, and yes. this is the stress response, the acute stress response, ready to adapt your body into fight and flight. However, people don't have stress like that. There's not lions in our room that we're looking to run away for or engage into battle into. What There are uh, deadlines or exams in three months time so this isn't acute stress which is what our bodies were designed for this is chronic stress but the right physiological mechanism for dealing with stress is actually physical activity so running away or effectively engaging into battle which is doing some stressful exercise so actually if you want to modulate your mood Exercise is incredibly good at doing that, whether you're stressed or not stressed. So if you're stressed, it's the antidote for stress. And that b- short bouts of relatively high-intensity activity where you're lifting your heart rate, maybe getting yourself a little bit shorter breath, really, really good at balancing those stress hormones and dissipating those stress hormones. And obviously, if you take your cardiovascular exercise and you do a little bit more of it, as you go over about 20 minutes or so, you start to get the release of endorphins and enkephalins. And these are chemicals in your brain. And these chemicals actually make you feel good. And this is how people sometimes hear this concept of people getting addicted to exercise that you know they're an exercise addict what's all that about well people get this natural high a bit like some people look to do it with drugs or alcohol but you can get a natural high from doing exercise from the release of these endorphins and kephalins which really calm you and make you very relaxed so that's part of the, the physiology of how exercise improves people's mood makes them feel uh, more relaxed and calmer but it's also the absolute antidote to stress particularly if you're stuck at home because of what's going on with the world with this pandemic at the moment and you, you can't go out so much exercise needs to be the way out of that
0: so for people who are stuck at home what are some tips or tricks or advice you can give certainly if they're constrained by space or don't have access to gym facilities or maybe even have a physical injury
1: So I think that's a really good question. How do people manage with limited space, limited facilities? I can't go out. I can't go to the gym. You know, in the UK, we've been not allowed and the gyms have not been open, for example. How do people manage that? Well, Interestingly, you don't need very much space to do exercise. It's great when you've got the outdoors, and and certainly in the UK, we were allowed out to do an hour of exercise a day, and that hour could be just going for a, a brisk walk. And so this is cardiovascular sort of exercise, so that's all fantastic if you're in a space and it's more difficult to go out you don't have to worry about that too much because particularly now with the internet there are a whole bunch of apps and and online materials you can use if you want for your smartphone you can download the seven minute app this is a seven minute workout and then you if you look on the internet and you put floor exercises for example into your youtube search you will find hundreds of different personal trainers giving you floor exercises that make no space it's just the area you need know below your body as it were so you can do it at the end of your bed you know even in a small apartment you can still do it so there's a whole bunch of materials out there which are completely accessible on the internet which need no equipment and no space at all and you can do cardiovascular exercise or strength and power-based exercise and the final bit you might want to include into your exercise routine would be maybe some stretching and some mindfulness and some yoga and again If you go on YouTube and say yoga for beginners, there are a large number of people offering tuition free of charge and giving you some simple yoga stuff to do. Yoga is really good because not only is it giving you some stretching, it's also giving you some strength work. And the combination when you're doing yoga, what they get you to do is to focus very much on your breathing whilst doing these various postures. And... When you focus on breathing at the same time as moving, actually, that is a mindful or meditative experience. And so when you've done yoga for somewhere in between 10 and 20 minutes, for example, you do a little session, and after that, people feel very relaxed, because actually, if you wanted to learn to meditate, you either do that through visualisation or through a breathing exercise, and this is essentially the breathing exercise you would use to sort of meditate with. So it's a very mindful and calming experience, together with doing some stretching, and one of the key things if you're going to do some exercise is to remember always to stretch, and none of those things require any equipment or any additional space, and certainly for people who've got physical injuries, What I will always say to those people is remember to exercise the bit you can. Just because your left knee is sore or it's in a splint or whatever, doesn't stop you exercising your right leg or your back or your shoulders or anything else. So many of the exercises you can do with keeping the injured bit supported and safe, but you can exercise the rest of your body. So that's an incredibly useful thing to do.
0: That's all really good to know, especially since I think the only floor exercise I do is vacuuming.
1: Ah, well, there's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of domestic homework, and I think that's a very useful thing. And actually, running around your apartment or your house cleaning and clearing and doing the garden if you've got one. I mean, these are all really great forms of incidental exercise, and I would definitely encourage that. So having a place that's spick and span, super clean, this is all part of incidental exercise. From an incidental activity point of view, you should be looking to do about 10,000 steps a day. Now, for those of you who want to know if you're doing it, you can get something like a Garmin or a Fitbit, and that'll tell you very accurately how many steps you're doing each day, and that works fantastically well. And 10,000 steps is about the equivalent of walking five miles if you want to know if you've walked five miles a day if you go out and walk briskly for an hour you're going to do about five miles so you know there are many ways of getting to that incidental number but that means that you're physically active and physically fit then is building a little bit of higher intensity cardiovascular so that might be doing a walk jog or a walk run together with some strength work and strength work you can do for a seven minute app and then you can finish that all off with a little bit of yoga so all very simple all very
0: easy to do Dr. Carey, thank you so much for your time. Are there any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Anything you'd like to say to the IB community?
1: Sure. Just, I suppose, one last thought. I mean, in your way through the IB, it's all about reflective learning. It's all about the process as opposed to the end result. And that's really what I'm talking about in terms of thinking about your motivation. So you want to think about, okay, where do I want to end up? What's the weakest link? One of the bits that I need to do to really improve myself and never forget activity in that process, because people who are fitter and more active have a better functioning brain. And the reason for that is that when you are cardiovascularly fit, you're not only able to supply oxygen to your muscles for the exercise, you're supplying that oxygen also to the grey matter between your ears, which supplies the oxygen you require for your brain to work. So it is no surprise to me that people are fitter and more active actually are more effective and more productive in the workplace and in school. And most of the great athletes I see also, many of them become really great students as well. And a lot of that is because they've got a combination of they're good at identifying how to internally motivate themselves. And their physical fitness really plays as a key part in terms of actually improving their overall well-being and their mental function. Even doing 10 minutes each day is a great start because across the week, that's 70 minutes. That's a great start, you know? So don't beat yourself up just because you're not doing an hour or something ridiculous a day. No one has to start like that. Just start off with doing 10 minutes. Works really, really well.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, Zach.
0: I wonder how many steps I take when I'm vacuuming or how clean my apartment will look if I do five miles worth of vacuuming. Maybe there's an IB class out there who wants to help me with this experiment. Okay, so in short, even the tiniest bit of physical activity can improve your mood and your internal motivation. And to find that motivation to act, focus on your long term goals while keeping in mind that results don't happen overnight. Thank you so much, Dr. Carey, for your time and passion. And to all of you, be safe, be well, get active, and we'll be back soon with more stories from our students, schools, educators, and more. All right, let's stretch.